Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. We knew inflation was getting bad, but we didn't know it was this bad. U.S. consumer prices jumped 6.2% in October, the biggest inflation surge in more than 30 years. It's just the latest evidence the Biden administration has lost control of the economy. We'll discuss the details and the White House's feeble attempts to address the issue in tonight's Hold the Line. I'm CPI, holy cow, hot, hot, hot. Even the headline is hot, up nine-tenths of one percent, up nine-tenths of one percent. And of course, that really is much bigger than the six-tenths expected. Holy cow. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. That was CNBC's Rick Santelli reacting to today's report on consumer prices. You look at the numbers and my oh my, it is not pretty out there right now. Hotels, 25%. Used cars, 26%. Gasoline, ouch, 49%. Television, steaks, bacon, you name it. We have a lot of problems here with inflation, folks. That's the kind of price. Those are the kind of price increases that everyone's going to notice, especially people who can ill afford those kinds of increases. Now, here's the part of this that we're going to have to drill down into. The people in charge are going to be working very hard to tell you, oh, this is just a thing that's happening and that nothing that they've done, none of their decision-making has either led to this or even made it any worse than it would otherwise be. They'll be insistent on this fact. They certainly don't want you to come away from this thinking, hold on a second, what the heck is going on here? How can we have a Biden White House right now that is trying to spend even more money, have trillions more injected into the economy, bribing, in effect, the taxpayer with their own tax dollars, or I should say bribing the American people with taxpayer dollars. Not everyone pays taxes, only about half the country does. Here's Biden back in July trying to tell everybody, don't worry, Long-term inflation, it's not going to be that bad. Listen to good old Grandpa Joe. The vast majority of the experts, including Wall Street, are suggesting that it's highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. Yeah, about that. It's the vast majority of the experts. Really? Is that? Where are those experts now? I'm just wondering. And the vast majority of them? I just throw stuff around like that all the time to make it seem like when he's making a weak argument, somehow he has all the experts on his side. One of the favorite tricks of Democrats and uh, left-wing socialist authoritarians in our midst. Oh yeah, all the smart people agree with us. Really? Show me these smart people. I want to see them. I I want to talk to them. I I want to know what their background is on this issue. Because here's Biden 
just yesterday saying, okay, yeah, it's a little rough right now, actually. I know that a lot of folks don't feel the progress we're making in the economy. I get it. I know the cost of gas, groceries, and rent seems to be harder and harder to handle. That's what more. That's one of the most re, more reasons why we should have to pass my Build Back Better bill. Yeah, spend trillions of dollars for massive expansion of government, for our larger welfare state, for paying for uh, childcare. All, all these spend all this money from the government side of things, and inflation will get better. There'll be less inflation. One of the places where, I mean, first of all, that's just, as we know, this is crazy time stuff. But one of the places where it is most obvious there's been a major increase in prices has to do with gas. Because people fill up their cars, they can see the price as they're doing it, they see what pops up on their credit card receipt, and it has gotten a whole lot more expensive to fill up that tank. Now, if you're somebody for whom gas prices rising really puts a serious dent in your budget, making things harder for you. This is upsetting stuff. And the problem that you have with this White House is twofold. One, they deny that there's any real issue here. And two, they also deny that they have a disdain for fossil fuel. They very clearly do. But first, let, let's start with point one. Here's com the Commerce Secretary on the gas prices, who is really trying to tell you that when it comes to gas prices, Biden's doing a bang-up job. Great job. If you were still governor of Rhode Island, I understand you're not, would you be hoping or asking for the president to open up the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? Again, I think it's premature to say. What I would be saying to the president is I would, I would just ask him to keep doing what he's doing. Keep doing what you're doing. It's great. It's great. This is what you're going to hear from all the people around Biden who are inept imbeciles either disconnected from the people they're so, they're so certain they should be ruling over or just so ignorant that it doesn't matter what the reality is because they wouldn't know what the cause is and they certainly wouldn't know how to fix it. And when you're looking for ideological, you know, issues of ideological concern in this White House, specifically when it comes to fossil fuels, you don't have to look very, very hard or very far. There are plenty of people around Biden for whom not only climate change, but just in general, the notion of the usage of fossil fuels is a near religious issue for them. Here is Biden Treasury nominee uh, Saleh Omarova on the coal, gas, and oil industries a while back. You should li listen to what she has to say. For certain uh, troubled industries and firms that are in transitioning. And here what I'm thinking about is primarily coal industry and oil and gas industry. A lot of the smaller players in that industry are uh, going to probably uh, go bankrupt in, in, in short order. At least we want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change, right? We want them to go bankrupt if we want to tackle climate change. Very senior people in this White House and this Biden administration believe either that or some variation of that. They generally don't say it out loud, but occasionally it will come out. You have, even in Congress, uh, folks uh, like uh, you know, members of the squad who are out there saying that they believe there should be reparations paid, climate reparations, by the fossil fuel companies. Uh, this, is, this was said by Ilhan Omar earlier in the week. Completely insane. And the gas prices are going up. People are seeing this. The economy is not growing the rate it should. GDP was way down last quarter. So what the heck is going on here? 
we have to look at cause and effect, but this White House won't do that. In fact, they'll tell us that they're, they, there's no issue with them and gas prices, but they do everything possible to make it more difficult for domestic producers to get fossil fuels to market so you can put in your car also a whole range of other things beyond just used for fuel in vehicles. But here's Biden spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre saying that, yeah, they're actually thinking about shutting down a pipeline. Is it, is it being studied right now? Is the administration studying the impact? of shutting down yeah. the line five. Yes, so, we are. We are. So that was inaccurate. Well, I thought you were saying that we were going to shut it down, yeah. but that is that is not inaccurate. Be, okay, great, 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 great. But I'll, the Army Corps of Engineers is preparing an environmental impact to look through this. Environmental impact. Yeah, this is a religion for people who think they're too smart for God. And so they come up with Mother Earth as the deity they all have to worship. And climate change then becomes the most important thing the government can do. Just remember that while you're filling up your gas tank, 40, 50, 60 dollars at a time. All right, we have more on Biden's runaway inflation a little later in the show, but up next, I want to talk to you about Kenosha, Wisconsin. It was a wild day in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, with the defendant taking the stand in his own defense, and the judge removing the jury multiple times to chastise the prosecutor. We'll discuss the latest details with attorney Will Chamberlain coming up in a moment. Let's talk about a potential investment opportunity. If you ever thought about investing in real estate, I want you to take me up on this recommendation. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. Look, I've worked with these guys before. They took me through the whole process. I bought my first ever property through Done For Your Real Estate. They'll take you through everything, okay? And I talk about it on a podcast, actually, that you can go see and listen to for yourself. Go to doneforyoubuck.com. At the top of the page, the podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate. You'll hear about my experience with their company as now an investor in real estate because of Done For You. Go check it out today. Listen to that podcast interview. Go to doneforyoubuck.com. Again, that website is doneforyoubuck.com. We'll be right back with Human Events, Will Chamberlain. In a move that shocked many legal observers, 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse took the stand today in his own defense. During his testimony, Rittenhouse claimed that the first man he shot and killed, Joseph Rosenbaum, was holding a chain at one point and threatened to kill him twice during a night of riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin, last summer. Watch. During the evening, was there any friction between your group and protesters slash rioters? Uh, no. Um, the only type of conflict, uh, stuff that happened was the person that attacked me first threatened to kill me twice. In another dramatic moment, Judge Bruce Schroeder admonished the prosecution for what he described as a grave constitutional violation after Assistant District Attorney Thomas Binger questioned Rittenhouse about his silence in the days following the shooting. Joining me now is attorney and co-publisher of Human Events, Will Chamberlain. Will, good to see you. Good to be with you, Buck, as always. So even non-lawyers pretty much knew across the board that it was an unusual move, a surprise for a lot of folks to put Kyle Rittenhouse up on the stand. Why do you think this happened? Why the defense decided to do this or perhaps Rittenhouse decided on his own to do it? Um, it looks like my, under, my understanding is it actually was a defense plan. And, and I've read some things from some experienced criminal defense lawyers that is, in self-defense cases in particular, it can make sense to put your, your defendant on the stand because they ultimately will need to explain or there, there will need to be a narrative of them explaining why they felt like they were 
um, facing deadly force uh, like this. That's and they're, I guess, in the best position to do it. I think it's obviously still risky because you open up the possibility of something going wrong on cross-examination. And there's also the fact that we've had so many prosecution witnesses basically explain the self-defense case pretty clearly. But that I think that's part of the reason. And another issue is perhaps the defense calculated that these prosecutors were actually quite incompetent and, and would not be able to take advantage of, of the opportunities cross-examination provided them, which seems to be the case. Uh, it's been more, we've seen more of the judge lecturing Binger for really basic, horrible mistakes, the kind that actually can lead to mistrials. Um, and there hasn't been any kind of gotcha that I've seen. I've been watching all of the cross-examination of Rittenhouse and I've yet to see bigger get really anywhere um any traction on on disproving self-defense i mean were, were, what were your thoughts when the prosecutor seemed to be leading into a you play to kyle rittenhouse you play call of duty and other first person shooter games therefore well what i mean what's that supposed to mean uh i mean it's laughable and you've got to figure that among the 12 people on the jury there's at least one person who's played a first person shooter i mean it's only the most common video game in the world fortnite was the most popular video game now it's call of duty i mean these are extraordinarily common things and it's laughable to suggest that they contribute to like people going on a shooting rampage which kyle rittenhouse didn't in the end i mean it's just it's irrelevant and it's 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 both irrelevant and silly so i didn't think it was very helpful to the prosecution at all the uh, Rittenhouse defense asked Governor Schroeder to consider a motion to declare a mistrial with prejudice today. Can you just first tell us what led up to that, and then we can get into what it would mean? Um, well, I think two basic things led up to that. The first is um, mentioning Kyle's silence, and it's a very standard rule um, that in order to preserve the Fifth Amendment right to self-incrimination, you can't use someone's failure to testify um, in, in their own defense against them. So you can, they say you can't even bring it up. It's a really, really base, basic rule in criminal proceedings that prosecutors cannot bring up the defendant's silence or refusal to talk. That just, it can't be brought up. Jury shouldn't be aware of it at all. Um, and then the second thing Binger did was he brought up essentially a topic that had been covered and, and essentially that the judge had ruled would be inadmissible in a motion in limine, which is like what's called at the, at, in limine means at the threshold. So it's a motion that happens right before the trial um, to determine whether or not a piece of evidence could be admitted and, and seen by the jury. Um, I, I think it was a piece of evidence relating to at one point in the past, Kyle had talked about wanting a gun to defend property or something like that. And the, and the judge ruled that that's what's called so-called propensity evidence, you know, the theory and that it wouldn't be admissible because propensity evidence is unreliable, but prejudicial um, in the sense that it can lead the jury to make mistakes. Here, here is the judge getting pretty feisty with the assistant district attorney Binger, who is the prosecutor here, for questioning Rittenhouse about his Fifth Amendment rights or bringing into question his Fifth Amendment rights. Watch. Why would you think that that made it okay for you without any advance notice to bring this matter before the jury? You are already, you were, I, I was a, astonished when you began your examination by commenting on the defendant's post-arrest silence. That's basic law. It's been basic law in this country for 40 years, 50 years. I have no idea why you would do something like that. And it gives, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So I don't know what you're up to. It kind of sounded like the judge was about to say, it gives grounds to the defense to declare a mistrial. Am I reading that right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly where his head was going. Um, and and that was I think that was even before 
Um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that was before the defense actually formally moved for a mistrial. Yes, it was. It was before. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the judge knows that he's actually going to have to go and do the research, right? It's there's some mistrial motions you can just deny because it's you know obviously there's not you don't have to get random mistrial there, but he's really going to have to actually do some reading and make sure that the case law would allow the trial to continue under these circumstances where you have a prosecutor, um, you know, who's you know intentionally bringing up a defendant's silence and and something else really dramatic. I don't know if you caught this, but um, there was a point where. Uh, Mr. Binger was saying that he was trying to assert that he had acted in good faith and trying to do both of these things. And the judge was like, I don't believe that. I don't believe you acted in good faith. That's an, incre- I mean, it kind of went under the radar a little bit, but that's an unbelievably dramatic thing for a judge to say to a prosecutor, basically accusing the prosecutor of lying. And it's also very relevant to the mistrial question because, I mean, we're kind of falling into the next part, but a mistrial with prejudice is where if it's granted, Kyle can't be retried. That's the end, right? He he will he is effectively exonerated. There's the you know there will be no further trial of Kyle Rittenhouse on any of these charges. Um, and one of the standards for granting it with prejudice, so called, is whether or not the prosecutor is acting in good or bad faith. Kyle Rittenhouse was under questioning today from the prosecutor for a long period of time. Here was one moment that was particularly uh, poignant. We wanted to have you react to it. Will. Good morning. Everybody that you shot at that night, you intended to kill, correct? I didn't intend to kill them. I intended to, I intended to stop the people who were attacking me. By killing them? I did what I had to do to stop the person who was attacking me. By killing them? Two of them passed away, but I stopped the threat from attacking me. Seems like an important moment. What do you make of it? Um, I think it's it's pretty straightforward, right? Like Binger is trying to get a gotcha admission and Kyle did a good job resisting, I think, because Binger's trying to say, you wanted to kill these people. And he's like, no, I wanted to stop them from attacking me. And I had, that was the tool I had available to do that. Um, and I think that that's, I think most people who, you know, shoot in self-defense aren't necessarily, they're, they're trying to shoot standard mass. They are trying to stop the person attacking them, but I think, you know, a basic tenet of self-defense is that the purpose is not to kill the other person, but rather to protect yourself. Stop the threat. That's how, that's how they train us in the federal government. That's how they train law enforcement. Will, <clears throat> thanks for the uh, legal insights here, my friend. Good to see you. We'll have more on this in the days ahead. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Buck. More bad news on the economic front with inflation hitting a 30-year high in the month of October. When we come back, we'll talk to economist Stephen Moore about the details. Right now, I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto market is hot right now. It seems like everyone wants to get in on the action. There's so many currencies to choose from. Bitcoin, Ethereum, any of the other di- dozens of digital tokens out there. It's not easy to get started. That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with incredible customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call to help you get started. Look, the crypto market could be heating up again. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. And we'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. More bad news for the White House and the country. As we reported earlier in the show, inflation hit a new 30-year high last month. Prices up more than 6% from the same time last year, which is the biggest surge since 1990. From energy to groceries to gas and hotel rooms, inflation is driving up the cost of everything across the board. What does the White House have to say about that? It's only temporary. Watch. We take inflation very seriously. Economists call all these things transitory effects. These one-time increases in prices are likely to, to have only transitory effects on inflation. There will be transitory impacts uh, in, uh, as it relates to inflation. I believe it's transitory. A temporary or transitory impact. In the end, it, it will be transitory. These inflation uh, rises will be transitory, that they will come back down next year. Here with the reaction, senior economic contributor at FreedomWorks, Stephen Moore. Stephen, good to see you. Good to see you. And Ben, uh, by the way, the one thing we do know about inflation right now is it is not transitory. The Fed, uh, Federal Reserve Board and the Biden White House have had that wrong now for eight months. It's getting worse, not better. It's accelerating. Uh, you see that in everything. Uh, you showed that chart with all of those prices increasing for the things that people buy every day, whether it's groceries, whether it's gasoline, travel items, rents are rising. Um, it, it's a tough time for middle class and lower income working class folks who see their, you know, when you've got 6% inflation right now and you get 4% wage gains, that means people's paychecks are actually shrinking in terms of what they can buy. It's a real crisis. I always laugh when I hear Joe Biden say, I'm not taxing anybody less than $440,000. And I'm thinking every time you go to the grocery store, every time you go to the gas pump, you are paying the Biden inflation tax. And it is the reports this week show it's getting worse, not better. So what's causing inflation? Why is this happening now? What are the decisions the Biden White House have made that if not causing all of it, certainly have exacerbated it? What should people know? Well, first of all, I'm old enough to remember when Jimmy Carter was president, the last time we had a big bout of inflation. And that's what ruined his presidency. Remember, Ronald Reagan in 1980 won a landslide election against Jimmy Carter. And one of the major factors was people were so upset and aggravated by rising inflation. I think Joe Biden's in the same place if he doesn't get this thing solved. Now, he just a few minutes before coming on your show, I was watching Joe Biden press conference and he was saying, well, the solution to the inflation problem is to pass my big back, uh, bill. Can we back actually, back. Stephen, we actually have that clip. Why don't we play it and then you can tell everybody okay, why me, yeah. it's a pile of malarkey. Now, I know that a lot of folks don't feel the progress we're making in the economy. I get it. 
I know the cost of gas, groceries, and rent seems to be harder and harder to handle. That's what more. That's one of the most more reasons why we should have to pass my Build Back Better bill. Really. I think this is economic lunacy. I think that even someone with a junior high school economics education knows that when you borrow and spend and print three to four trillion dollars more money, that's going to make inflation worse. Every American knows that. They play us as fools. But this is a reason we have to kill this bill. It is one of the most insidious bills I've ever seen in terms of uh, taxing people who are working and then giving massive welfare benefits to people who aren't working. It's gonna make the supply chain problem worse. It's gonna be harder for small businesses to hire workers. A lot of people are just gonna stay home and collect all the free stuff that Joe Biden is providing people. Look, we all want a social safety net for people who fall on hard times if you lose your job. I mean, I've lost jobs. We don't want anybody to to go hungry or homeless, but we've created a, a safety net that's become a hammock. And I think people are, uh, who are working are really upset that in many cases, people can make more money collecting all these government benefits. So I believe this is a real precarious time right now for the US economy. We should be saving money, cutting government spending now, not increasing it. We shouldn't be putting all these new burdens on our small businesses. You know, under that plan, the tax rate on small businesses that have a million dollars or more revenue can go up to above 50%. I mean, that's not one of the highest tax rates in the world. It's amazing. Back in July, just to remind everybody, Stephen, here is what Biden was saying about long-term inflation and his projections based on the experts. The vast majority of the experts, including Wall Street, are suggesting that it's highly unlikely that it's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. It's crazy to me. Anyway, Stephen, I appreciate you being here with us and uh, and continuing to. We lost Stephen there for a second, but uh, I'll, I'll fill it in here. Yes, it turns out that uh, Biden, I think, is just sort of making that stuff up because inflation is likely to just get worse. Inflation is going to continue to rise. This is going to be a major headwind for the Biden administration, for the Democrat Party, really. Of course, Biden's not on the ballot going into the midterms. But in this midterm election, if people continue to see the price of milk, pork, gas, eating their homes over the wintertime, all these things getting more and more expensive. What exactly can they point to as a Biden victory on the economy at this point? Nothing. That's the problem they have. All right, new satellite images show the Chinese government building full-size replicas of U.S. warships. Could they be preparing for war? We'll ask senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, Dean Cheng, would come back. I want to talk to you about protecting your most important asset for a moment, your home. If you own a home like me, you don't guard it with home title lock, you're inviting home title theft, one of the fastest growing crimes out there. Cyber thieves around the world know that home values are sky high and that makes your home a target. The crime is really simple to pull off. A cyber thief simply forges your name on a property sale form and refiles it. Then they take out loans on your home. Home title lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect tampering, they help shut it down. Look, if you have equity in your home, guard it right now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and enter code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. That's code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be right back.
As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some disturbing satellite images have been released at a point in time where tensions between the U.S. and China remain high, specifically over Taiwan. According to the images, the Chinese military has built full-scale targets of U.S. warships, including an aircraft carrier and guided missile destroyers in the middle of a northwest China desert. According to reports, these warships are being used for ballistic missile target practice. So is this a sign that China is preparing to take on the United States military? Dean Chang, Senior Research Fellow at the Heritage Foundation, is here to tell us what's really going on here. Dean, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so what's your, what's your take first on these images and what we should make of it from the perspective of whether this is part of a continued provocation on the part of the Chinese Communist Party? I don't think it's a provocation. I think it is, however, reflecting several things. One, that the Chinese are indeed planning on uh, applying a variety of weapons against things like our carrier battle groups, which are one of our uh, major chess pieces on the board. Uh, this shouldn't really be a surprise, though, because we've known for a number of years that the Chinese, uh, one, are developing these kinds of weapons, but two, have actually been targeting this very area. A few years ago, there were reports of a fixed outline uh, in the desert and of a, an American aircraft carrier. And in that case, there were actually impact craters around the carrier showing where the Chinese had already been firing missiles to see if they could hit that. So how do we view this now in terms of the capabilities that China has uh, versus U.S. Uh, surface, surface naval uh, craft? I mean, is this a situation where we should understand that they're going to get to a point where our Navy is at tremendous risk if, in fact, we did try to intervene in some kind of a conflict with Taiwan? I mean, essentially, how do we stack up against the capabilities the Chinese have? That's a good question. I mean, one of the reasons why this is a significant uh, revelation is because the, the Chinese carrier mock-up is apparently on tracks, which means that this thing is mobile. And one of the arguments about the Chinese anti-ship ballistic missiles has been, oh, you know, they've never tested it against a mobile target, as though that wasn't going to happen eventually. Uh, now, apparently, it turns out they are. And interestingly, they're doing it in the desert because it's far away from where we could pick up intelligence. Uh, if they tested it at sea, we could basically send our own platforms to go and observe this. By doing it out in the middle of their desert, we have a lot less information that we can gather about how they're doing it and how well they're doing it. Specifically for U.S. carriers, how sound are countermeasures against land-based missiles, you know, land-sea missiles? Uh, we've never actually confronted an anti-ship ballistic missile before. The Soviets never developed something like that. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is the escorts um, around an American aircraft carrier will have anti-missile systems, but there's a limit to their magazine depth. That is to say, they're only going to have so many shots. So if the Chinese make a lot of these, and the Chinese always seem to build lots of these kinds of weapons, whether they're anti-ship ballistic missiles or cruise missiles or other things, um, you could wind up with the escorts running out of defensive shots before the Chinese run out of offensive shots. So yeah, the threat to the carriers is pretty real. And so is this all just part of China getting to a point where it becomes clear to us that if 
we did, if the U.S. military did, I know we have this uh, strategic ambiguity position with regard to Taiwan, but let's say there was a move on Taiwan by, uh, by the Chinese and the U.S. was thinking about whether there would be a, a military response on our end, are they just hoping, are the Chinese just hoping that they can raise the risk such that we would decide, not our problem, we're not going to do this, we don't want to lose a carrier group? No, because the way that you just phrased it makes it sound like it's almost a bluff. What the Chinese are doing is two things. One, they want our leaders to think very seriously, do we want to become involved because we could lose thousands of sailors and lives. But two, if the Americans decide to go in any way, then yes, they will sink our carriers, they will sink our destroyers, and then they will basically say, now what, what you got now? Also, want to just point out right now, the Biden administration seems to have a very different, uh, a very different perspective on what the primary threats are we're facing. Here is uh, General Kirby talking about Biden's feelings on climate change and China. Here's what he says: Which is a bigger threat, the climate or China? I, I think. Uh we get paid to examine all the threats to our national security. Um, and I don't know that it uh, does anybody uh, good to put some sort of relative analysis assessment on that. Uh, you've heard the secretary talk about the climate uh, as a, a, a real and existential national security threat. And it is not just to the United States, but to countries all over the world. And we consider China as the number one pacing challenge for the department. Both are equally important. Climate change as an existential threat, equally important as China. This is someone speaking on behalf of the Pentagon for this White House. Well, let's also remember uh, the White House press secretary welcomed Chinese tests of hypersonic missiles, which could also target American carriers, as this administration looks forward to competition with China. Uh, can you imagine saying something like that about another country that was openly threatening our major chess pieces? Uh, but then again, of course, uh, Mr. Kerry came out and said that we should think about ending sanctions on China over human rights in order to import Chinese solar panels, I guess because climate change is such a threat. I mean, when you look at what this administration's actions, I think that it's pretty clear they think climate change is a bigger threat than China. And I'm just wondering, what do you think would be some of the indicators we should look for that China is really planning to do something with regard to Taiwan? Do we have any sense of what the, what the markers may be, the signposts along the road, other than obviously just full-scale massive surprise invasion? But are there some things that would at least be indicators that they're considering making a move against Taiwan while Biden's in the White House? Well, it's interesting, for example, that the Chinese social media has actually told its own population, on the one hand, worry about um, running out, you know, stock up on food, stock up on water, but that this isn't a preparation for war. So I think that um, if the Chinese uh, population starts uh, hoarding food supplies, if you started seeing a cancellation of airline flights into China because the Chinese Air Force controls all of China's airspace, if you saw significant cutbacks in uh, supply chains because the Chinese would be uh, securing all of their railroads and things like that to move troops to the ports in preparation for an invasion. These are, I think, are all pretty standard uh, indications and warnings of potential Chinese action. Dean, appreciate the expertise. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Coming up, Jimmy Kimmel explains that Kamala's ratings are low because of sexism and racism, not because the Vice President of the United States is doing a bad job. Hmm, we'll discuss in quick hits. 
I want to tell you one more time about my digital money. Crypto is heating up, Bitcoin, Ethereum, so many digital tokens, tokens out there, and people can have huge gains. But that's why you need my digital money. If you've never done this before, this is where you get started. My Digital Money is an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with top-tier customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started, and your comfort and security is their top priority. So look, crypto market's heating up again. This could be a great time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with Quick Hits. The judge's phone in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial went off today during testimony and uh, was a tune a lot of folks will know. Wait till you hear what it is. And Pfizer put out a very cringeworthy trust the science tweet meme. Let's get into it in quick hits. But first, as you know, this Biden administration is struggling, struggling mightily. They do not have the support that they want or need among independents who are fleeing what they view as an administration that is greatly underperforming compared to expectations. And Joe Biden's personal popularity, uh, being the cuddly old grandpa the media pretends that he is, instead of really the nasty, politically, uh, constantly maneuvering blowhard that America's actually known for over 40 years. Uh, but at least some people are fooled by Biden. Uh, Kamala, on the other hand, his vice president, I think she's at about 28% approval in the most recent national poll, which is pretty rough. People are not on team Kamala in the numbers they would need to be for her to be a possible step-in replacement for Biden, either this term or in place of him for another Democrat presidential administration term. So what can she count on? Oh, that's right. The media elites who are really Kamala's primary constituency, that is who likes Kamala Harris, people that have their own TV shows, who are producers at CNN, who write for the New York Times, and uh, that apparently includes Jimmy Kimmel, who never wanted to think very long and hard about anything and just tries to get a cheap laugh from his audience of mostly uh, idiots. Here he is explaining that the reason people don't like the border czar who doesn't go to the border uh, the woman who was rejected resoundingly by the Democrat primary electorate. Oh, it's because of sexism and racism, of course. Americans really aren't happy with this vice president, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris has an approval rating of 28%, which is makes no sense because she basically has nothing to do. I mean, it's like <laughs> criticizing a backup quarterback. Kamala's approval rating uh, of 28% is even lower than the 30% who approved of Dick Cheney in 2008 after he shot a guy in the face. I think I know why Kamala's ratings are low, besides sexism and racism, which are the obvious ones. Uh, besides sexism and racism. Uh, maybe it's because she's not likable, not good at her job, and has no real political skills, other than the superficial diversity and inclusion aspects that the Democrats are so obsessed with these days. Yeah, there's that. We also have the judge in the Rittenhouse trial. Look, it was pretty intense today in the Rittenhouse trial. And young Kyle Rittenhouse is really on trial for his freedom, for whether or not he's going to have a normal life or not. And, uh, but the judge's phone, this was a, a little bit of a more uh, a moment of levity. The judge's phone went off during the trial. And he's got a ringtone, which I haven't heard one of those in a while. Special ringtone. Here's what it is. The actions that I had talked about were done in bad faith. That I think proud to be an American. 
So I think we all know, right, if, if that's his ringtone, he's probably not a left-wing Democrat, right, because they're not proud to be an American. So maybe a good sign for, uh, for Kyle Rittenhouse that the judge has proud to be an American on his phone. I, I haven't heard anybody, though, who has those kinds of unique ringtones in quite a while. So that was a moment. A moment today that was, you know, in a trial that was otherwise quite serious and a lot of courtroom antics and, and really fireworks, the kind that you would expect in some kind of courtroom drama TV show, but it was actually happening today in the Rittenhouse trial. Uh, there's been some rough moments this week for Pfizer. The Pfizer CEO, notably earlier in the week, said uh, out loud, maybe he's thought this for a long time, but that people who spread misinformation about vaccines are criminals. Now, keep in mind, if you had said three or four months ago that the vaccines don't work for very long very well, which is now proven and true, the effectiveness of these vaccines to prevent infection and spread of the virus goes down dramatically over the course of just a matter of months, that would have been considered misinformation then. So would you have been a criminal, even if you ended up being right? The Pfizer CEO doesn't trouble himself with such concerns about the First Amendment in this country. But Pfizer also tweeted out this very cringeworthy meme saying it's easy to get distracted by misinformation these, day, these days, but don't worry, science has got your back. Hashtag science will win. Uh, well, it would be much better if they wouldn't try to shut down discussion that they find possibly problematic because the uh, so-called experts, the consensus makers, not that there is any actual consensus in science, especially around issues related to COVID. But they've been wrong many times over. So I think it's worth noting that some of the people who have been proven and have a track record that proves that they are often incorrect in their judgments and assessments are also the most aggressive about shutting down anybody who has a different point of view who does not see things the way that they do. That's something we should all be concerned about going forward, but also their memes sucked, so there was that. And speaking of people that make consensus in science who are wrong and who are awful, there is nobody quite like Dr. Fauci on that score. I've been saying from the beginning of the pandemic that this is somebody who has been reliably wrong on major health questions for over 40 years. And really for the last 20 or 30 years, it seems his job has been mostly to just tell everybody during flu season to wash their hands, which now we know more than ever doesn't really do very much anyway. But here's Fauci back during the uh, early and most frightening days in many ways of the HIV AIDS pandemic, telling people that this was in 1983, household contact, just living in a house with somebody may have been enough to get AIDS from them. Starting to see, as we're seeing virtually as the months go by, other groups that can be involved and, and seeing it in children is really quite disturbing. When you say other close contact, give me some examples. Well, for example, if, if the close contact of a child is a household contact, perhaps there will be a certain number of cases of individuals who are just living with and in close contact with someone with AIDS or at risk of AIDS who does not necessarily have to have uh, intimate sexual contact or share a needle, but just the ordinary close contact that one sees in normal interpersonal relations. We may be completely wrong. And Fauci has been reliably wrong on major health issues for over 40 years. That hasn't changed during the pandemic. It's only gotten worse. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.